Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 182 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with Ross. Glad to be back, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm glad my uh, my intro music is still there. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Once I found it. Um, so, so um, what have you been doing? Well, I know some of what have you been doing because I've been doing exactly sure. the same thing, and I keep on seeing your name pop up on my uh, my <laughs> my feed. So, yes, yeah, a lot of a lot of Red Dead the past couple of weeks, Dave. Um, yes. A lot, a lot. Um, we'll, I, I'm, I, we'll talk about it more when, when in your list. But just to say, there's been a lot of it. I think last time we talked, we were sort of mid Daredevil season two. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, Daredevil season, season three. three. Yes. Uh, which you've now finished, uh, and I think is my second favorite Marvel Netflix series mm. after Daredevil season one. It was terrific. It's really good. Yeah, I'm a, I'm still only about halfway through because I I got sucked into a few other things that I was watching and uh, things that I needed to get out of the way. Like I, last week, I was watching Counterpart because I was interviewing some people from it, so <laughs> uh, I I had to finish that last week. So that's that's I've I have managed to get a few more episodes into Daredevil. It's just there's so much on at the moment. There's there's too much to be able to watch everything <laughs> in kind of binge watch everything. Um, yeah. But I have, did manage to get a few more episodes of it this weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a really solid series this season. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a shame that they're all um, they're stopping them all systematically, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we they've stopped two of them. Yeah. Uh, Punisher, as far as we know, he's, he's he's back for another one. Jessica Jones, they've shot, so that's definitely coming back. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, and uh, Daredevil, I I suspect will get renewed, given that it's had a positive reaction to this. It's just yeah. I the 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 numbers. Well, we don't get actual numbers from Netflix, mm. but from the people that do track this sort of stuff and try to give some semblance of idea of how many people <laughs> are watching, it looks very much like Iron Fist and Luke Cage lost half its viewers between season one and season two yeah right so i I, I didn't see um season two of uh luke cage right okay which i now feel bad about (laughs) yes your Maybe fault they got cancelled yeah it was, i'm personally responsible but if you could just they could bring them back together do a heroes for hire that'd be nice yeah i mean I, that that to me would make the most sense because they've said that they're probably not going to do another defender series so maybe a heroes yeah. for hire series but or even a heroes for hire movie would be quite a nice way of doing yeah. it you know do it as a as a sort of movie format or something some something with those characters back in I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll fold them into the rest of the stories along the way, but it's a shame. It's a shame we've lost two of them. But, uh, you know, some of them are still around. Yeah, and and, but anyway, particularly good. Um, There's a really good series. Mm. Uh, particularly there is a uh, fight that happens in a prison, which is, is yes. really spectacular. The whole thing is really great. Yeah, um, it's it takes that one-take fight corridor fight scene and extends it across the prison for about 15 yeah. minutes. It's which, which, I mean, all these, you know, I think... Daredevil season one was the first time that happened and it was like wow this is really good in that yeah. corridor um, where he had different doors and he'd go into each of the doors um, yeah really good terrific uh, season yeah. three uh, Fisk is, is great Vincent D'Onofrio is always always terrific it's good um, other stuff then uh, we're watching The Good Place continuing to watch The Good Place every week yes um, again it's still terrific <laughs> yeah it, um, it is I've been watching that every single week uh, it's fabulous absolutely superb I've been thoroughly enjoying that series right from the very beginning and it's it continues to be one of the best comedies on tv definitely uh, we'll be watching uh, the good cop i don't know if you've watched this Dave. yes yes we actually 
actually interviewed one of the guys involved in the Good Cop. Uh, not not the actors. It was uh, <laughs> was it the oh it was the composer. The composer for the Good Cop was also a member of the B fifty twos. Oh right, right. I, and I, did the music for Rocco's Modern Life as well. Was the other I, thing? Yes, I remember Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, um, uh, just about. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does have a really jazzy kind of. Um, it reminded me of. Do you remember Birdman? That movie for a couple of years ago. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's very, you know, jazzy and, 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 and yeah. yeah, it's very good. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's Josh Groban uh, in a detective show. And he doesn't sing. I thought I'm waiting for him to sing or play the piano. I think he plays the piano a couple of times. but Yes, weird. very much an acting gig for Josh Groban. It's, it seemed like a, it sort of came out of nowhere. It was yeah. like, oh, Josh Groban's here now. <laughs> it feels like a slightly odd show to be on Netflix. It's yeah. It, it feels like a network show, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just it's just odd because it feels out of place on Netflix. It's not. It, it's like a a sort of network cop show. And he said, yeah, it's sort of designed like that. It's designed to be something that is a bit more family orientated not sure. not family orientated in terms of some of the content but it, it is you know it's something that if you've got older kids you could easily watch you know together so yeah. and i think it does that quite well and it's they, they've got this sort of you know they're self-contained things they've got this kind of message you know it, it works quite well i think yeah you, like you say it's sort of that thing where you can watch one and that's fine there, yeah. there is an overarching plot but it doesn't weigh too heavily on the story yeah totally um, Episode per episode. Uh, I saw earlier there was a Toy Story 4 teaser. I don't know if you've seen it, Dave. Yes, I have. It doesn't really give an awful lot away, that teaser, no. but it was. it's lovely to see him again. And, yeah, uh, very excited for that. Yeah. Uh, finally, I wanted to ask you what you watch Amazon Prime on. I watch it on a smart TV. Cool. Here's, here's why I want to... Because I watch it on the PlayStation, right? And um, the UI is, is generally pretty poor, so I want to just compare experiences for a second. Um, we, we started watching... Fresh Off the Boat is a sitcom. It's very good. Yeah. Um, and it'll cut the last sort of 10 minutes off. Well, not 10 minutes. Maybe maybe the, there's a gag at the end that's sort of maybe two minutes long, and it'll cut the last minute off, um, oh. including the punchline, because it's it's sort of auto-playing the next episode on top of, and the gag is after the credits. So I guess it's something in the formula, which is just a bit frustrating, and it happens a lot. Also, they split... The this just be a moan. I don't know. Um, they split the um, series up into seasons. Yes, so that you, you, bugs the hell out of me. I, yeah, <laughs> on Netflix you can just scroll to season one to season seven, but yeah. on Amazon, I, and I presume the reason is so they can sell you individual seasons rather than a bulk, right? Yeah. Um, so you can scroll through season one, but then you've got to go into a different menu to get to season well, two. And, yeah. You you say you say that you'd assume that's the way, but if you actually go to the desktop, the website to buy seasons or play seasons off there, it's a drop down menu with all oh, the seasons gosh. in it. So you're like, well, <laughs> hang on a minute. Uh, no, I mean, the, honestly, whoever designed the interface for Prime on I, seemingly any device needs a smack <laughs> on the face because it's it's a terrible piece of UI design. And coming yes. from two people that work or you know, worked <laughs> in UI design, I, yeah, it, it is It is really quite appalling. You know, you compare it to Netflix and various other platforms, it's a terrible, terrible interface. Yeah. And uh, they should be ashamed of themselves because, I mean, you know, Amazon has more money than God and that's the only thing that they can come <laughs> up with. It's it, really dreadful. Really, yeah. really dreadful. So, I mean, I guess my point is that, that more apps should be like Netflix in general. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah netflix has the interface i mean netflix isn't the greatest interface either but it's it's infinitely better even just for having the um seasons clustered together a bit better i mean uh, in a row <laughs> yeah just in a row in an easily findable menu you know um it's just bitty and all over the place and it's very difficult to search for things and the recommendations are bad and yeah no yeah, I, i'm glad you're on team for this dave i was yeah, no, no i i'm very much with you i've never liked the prime interface on <laughs> on most devices and i think it's pretty terrible and uh, right. yes they should be ashamed of themselves really <laughs> good so uh yeah that's all for me what, what have you been up to? For me, on, on Netflix, actually, uh, Patriot Act, which with a Sam Minaj, uh, I've started watching, which is actually a weekly show. It is a Netflix show, but it's going out weekly. I, I guess so it can stay topical, but most of the stuff actually isn't directly topical. It's not like weekly topical, which is what I thought it might be. I thought it was going to be a sort of, you know, half hour daily show 
thing mm. because Sasan Minaj for those of you that don't know him he's an ex-Daily Show reporter in quotes uh, yeah so he was <laughs> he was one of the guys that was on the Daily Show and uh, he's he's got actually got a brilliant brilliant stand-up on Netflix as well which is worth going to watch if you've not seen that but uh, Patriot Act basically has him taking a subject and doing 25 minutes on a particular subject so uh, he's done a thing on the Saudi regime he does a thing on oil it's one subject looked at for 25 minutes it's packed full of useful information but done in a very fun way you know so he's very good at getting a lot of information across and talking about subjects and making it clear but making it fun interesting and sort of connecting with people so i you can actually go back to the start of the series and you don't need to have watched it weekly you can go and watch an individual episode if there's a particular subject that interests you but uh you can go right back to the start and just watch it it's 25 minutes it's really really easy to watch and uh just very very funny very interesting uh i would highly recommend that to people it's it's well worth going to look at i wanted to to just uh, give a, a bit of a shout out to doctor who as well because there's a lot of stuff going around people complaining about the fact that doctor who recently has had a couple of actual historical based episodes because they did one on Rosa Parks and they did one of the segregation of uh, India and Pakistan, which was the one this week. And people say uh, complaining about the fact that they're looking at real historical events and they complained that the Rosa Parks one was getting a bit political. And you're like, well, to me, I I thought both of them were brilliant. They were very, very well handled. And that's what Doctor Who always traditionally was supposed to be. If you look back at the very early episodes of it, the entire point of Doctor Who was you had this mix of historical episodes and you have this mix of sci-fi episodes. Yeah. It was a sort of backwards and forwards between the two. And that's what they're doing now. And I love the fact that they've gone back to that format, which got lost in the sort of later seasons. And particularly when it came back, it got very lost that the historical stuff got very much replaced for sci-fi, for pure Mm. sci-fi things. And I like the fact that it's kind of gone back a bit to that and you're getting stuff which is a little bit educational as well as you know and certainly something that that gives a starting point for people that maybe didn't know anything about the the yeah, segregations good. and and you know segregation in America and and also the splitting of of uh, India and Pakistan you know stuff like that i think it's it's quite a nice easy way of slipping a bit of history into people that may not have looked at it or known it about it. So I'm all on board for it. I think and I think uh, Jodie Whittaker's doing an amazing job as the Doctor. I think she's fabulous. So ju- just wanted to mention that because I I know I've seen stuff flying around online about the fact that you know well, they've put historical episodes in. It's like well she does travel through time. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. seems fair. History is history is basically half of that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it seems fair that it's not just sci-fi. Stuff. Stuff. It seems fair that they do actually put some historical stuff in there. I mean, they used to do it with Timeless. You know, Timeless used to go and travel to historical things, and I didn't see people yeah. complaining about that. So, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, totally. So, uh, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. You, they, they used to bring the historical figures back, which is great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that, I thought that was really good. Um, there's a couple of Mars shows floating around at the moment. One is the first, which is uh, on Channel Four. Which is an interesting drama, although that's sort of going back to them trying to get the mission to Mars off the ground and uh, there's a sort of event that happens and then they've got to kind of go back and try and get the mission to Mars off the ground. So at the moment, a lot of it is Earth-based, set in a sort of near future. So you've got that nice near future kind of technology and stuff. Um, Two episodes into that. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a good drama. You know, it's it's well acted, it's well put together. It's interestingly shot. It's a really interesting idea. Um, There's not much Mars in it, though, at the moment. Uh, (laughs) It's it's kind of all talk and... uh, and things happening on Earth, but there's very little Mars stuff. As opposed to Mars, which is on its second season, which that's running on National Geographic. First episode went out last night of the second season. I I love the first season of that because that is a mixture of actual drama and interviews with 
people you know from like Elon Musk and you know Richard Branson and people that are involved in Mars exploration and or in you know space exploration in private and NASA scientists and that sort of stuff so it's interviews with them about what the technology is at the moment and talking about what you'd need to be able to settle on Mars and mm. then the drama which is now in its second season that side of it has them having been on Mars for about nine years the first season had them kind of getting up onto Mars and the second season is about the, you know, moves the time frame forward a bit and it's the arrival of private enterprise on Mars whereas the setup in there is is basically the sort of government people that are there to do scientific research the private contractors have now made it to Mars and it's about them stepping on the toes of the scientists and how right. it's basically a new frontier and everything that comes with that and the fact that it's pretty much a lawless planet so that side of things is kind of intriguing well well worth what that I, I really enjoyed Mars season one and I'm very happy that they've come back for a second season of that so that's really interesting Outlander returned as well it's all kind of historical and sort of futuristic <laughs> stuff this year this week uh, Outlander came back a uh, great first episode it has them all in America now because they they end up in America at the end of last season so uh, uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying that still slightly annoys me when they get to the uh, the love scenes and you're kind of going really we know they love each other do you have to linger on this stuff for so long (laughs) i I, I know it makes it sort of horrible and heartless but you're like really i just i don't need to see this (laughs) so get to the action and get to the kind of plot and dialogue it's just yeah so anyway but yes uh, outlander's back and i know there's a load of outlander fans out there that we're very happy to have that back last night they also ran peter jackson's they shall not grow old which is this documentary about uh, the First World War. And what he does is it starts the documentary off with the traditional footage that you would know of uh, small black and white things. It's all without sound and you know, people moving slightly faster than they should be. You know, It's all, it's all that sort of video of uh, people signing up at, at offices and there's voiceovers from historical archives of people that were in that war that recorded you know, obviously a number of years ago. And uh, them talking about their experiences and, and what drove them to sign up and that sort of stuff and the fact that some of them were 15 and 16 at the time even though they weren't supposed to sign up until they were 19 you know all that sort of thing and the moment that they actually get over to uh, France and Belgium and set foot in the war the whole thing becomes full screen and they've colorized the footage and they've added oh, right. Uh, they've slowed it down so it looks like normal video footage. It's sort of high resolution, colorized. They've put sound over the top so it, it just looks like normal video. <laughs> uh, and it's phenomenal, phenomenal job. And they go through battle plate pieces and them going over the top. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of work. And uh, I I would say that certainly if you're a school teacher and you're teaching the First World War, you really should be showing this to your students because it, it's quite incredible really interesting it'll be on iplayer i think i would advise everybody to go and watch it because I, I think it, it's just a, a masterpiece piece of work of if you ever have any vague interest in world war one just incredibly well worth watching and then lastly red dead redemption as we mentioned uh yeah. we have both been playing an awful lot of red dead <laughs> right now uh i'm on chapter five i think you're you said you're what on three three yeah yeah i think i'm fairly early on in three i'm not sure exactly but um... right okay you do move camps uh, in those early chapters so it's very easy to get lost just wandering around going hunting and fishing <laughs> yes and, very and that so. sort of stuff have you been after any of the legendary uh, creatures yet the fish more than the animals um really yeah. i got a tip i get a tip if you yeah. go west of strawberry which is a town in the west yeah. um, near backwater um there is a legendary deer and if you kill the legendary deer you can get a talisman that means that every time you skin an animal you'll get a better skin than the skin you would have got um, yes. which makes everything then becomes a bit easier because you're getting better skins. Yes, I I noticed that as well. I got that one as well. So I I did that first when I started to properly collect skins. And yeah, uh, yeah that that does make a huge difference. It's well worth going to doing. It's a, it's a legend, legendary deer or is it a legendary... Maybe it's an elk. It's an elk. Yes, I think it's oh, a legendary okay. elk. But yes, well, well worth, uh, well worth going to get it. Yeah, well worth going to get it and then, and then go and get the 
uh, the thing for it. So I got uh, the first fish today, the first legendary fish earlier on. Oh, did you? I, I really enjoy the fishing a lot. Um, I've started to play in uh, first person just for a bit, just while I'm. The gunplay, I think, is more fun in first. Well, I don't know if more fun. It feels more urgent in first person. Right. Okay. Uh, and the fishing is a bit more immersive because um, you're like looking down the rod and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy the fishing. It's relaxing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then now the the fishing's fun, and uh, I I worry I'm a little too nice in some things because you go and look at the challenges and the one of the challenges for I can't remember the criminal kind of challenge. Oh yeah. You, you have to ha- like hold up five townspeople yes. and, and you're like I don't really want to do that and just it's, necessarily it's, unnecessarily hold up people for the, to rob them for the sake of it I think that I think being bad is unnecessarily stressful it adds too much I think like yeah. Um, so so I was trying to catch this deer we were talking elk sorry we were talking about and I had a, a bounty nothing nothing major something like $30 or something and every time I'd sleep and wake up to catch the deer then I'd be there'd be people after me and then you got to deal with that and then your deer's gone because you've made loads of noise and stuff yeah um, it just adds a, it just adds a bit I, I'd like to be able to I don't know how this would I'd like for the you know the little bandana thing you can put around your face yeah I'd like that to actually do anything would be great yeah, because um, yeah, it doesn't do a lot. Yeah, yeah. If I could put that on, be horrible to a lot of people, take it off, and everything's fine, then yeah. that'd be great. Because I mean, if they give my description to, let's say, let's say it's what what was like eighteen eighty something. Yeah, something like that. And someone gives my description, uh, a man with a hat and brown hair and a mask on, they're never going to find me without the mask on, right? They probably won't find me with the mask on. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying it, it, it's, it's odd how they find you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> because I'm, I'm kind of being, with you on that. Like you, I, enjoy, I, I, you know, I, think, I think I'm too nice, so I've been being a lot meaner to a lot of people and animals. Actually, my wife made the point. She came in the other day, so you, you know what's ironic about this game is that it's full of things that you don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> that you will only do in a video game. So I don't particularly agree with horse riding. I think horse riding is pretty cruel. But yeah, in the game, I'm happy to do it. And like murdering and skinning animals, all for that. And eating, like cooking up meat and stuff. Yeah, great. Let's do it. But then, then you also play GTA and you probably don't hijack That's that hey, many cars or sleep with yeah. that many hookers. So, you know... You've got it. You've got to. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what I'm here for in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I am thoroughly enjoying it. I mean, I, I've spent an awful, awful, awful lot of time playing that game and I'm still probably only about 60% of the way through it, if that. So, and that's, that's of the main story, not counting all the extra stuff that you can do so there there are hundreds of hours of gameplay i think available in that game you can spend an awful lot of time playing it it is well worth the money that you are likely to spend on it um, <laughs> so i would recommend it i would recommend it to anybody to uh, to go up and get that if you uh, if you like big old open world games it certainly lives up to what you hoped it would be it's very, very much GTA with horses <laughs> in terms of size and uh, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, well worth getting. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. So TV and film news this week, we kick off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. First one is cancellation Reverie, which was the series that ran on sci-fi, I think, over here. Uh, but it was it was one of these ones about a woman that kind of goes into the dreams of other people because people were getting stuck in dreams and you have to pull them out. Uh, <laughs> lasted one season. And uh, the reason it was cancelled was because it was on NBC, pretty much. Those sort of things don't tend to last very long at NBC. It was getting like 2 million viewers, I think, a week, which if it had been on sci-fi in the US would have been fine, but it wasn't. It was on NBC and was basically their lowest rated show of the summer. So it got cancelled. It's just the wrong network for it. It shouldn't really ever have been on there. So that's gone. The Purge has been renewed for a second season, which uh, they only recently put the first season out, but uh, that runs on Amazon over here. That's the TV show based off the movie franchise, neither of which I've seen. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it is is out there and uh, coming back for a second season. Production has begun on the Deadwood movie, they announced, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, that there was a Deadwood movie in the works, but yeah. they've actually started production on it now, so uh, right. that is coming. Over on US TV, number of shows have uh, had 
their episode orders had extended. So the rookie and charmed have both picked up what they refer to as the back nine. So that's nine additional episodes takes them up to usually around 22. I'm not entirely sure whether it's 22, but it's usually around that. The rookie is coming to sky, um, sky one, I think uh, the sky one or sky witness and charmed will be coming to E4, but they may not get over here until the new year, but they, they have both been bought. Legacies hasn't got a home yet. Uh, that's also had three more episodes ordered taking it up to 16 episodes and the american football drama all american has also had three extra episodes but i can't imagine that will get picked up over here because um, <laughs> it's an american football drama and american sure. football fairly niche anyway in the uk and it's getting more popular but it's it's Ooh. relatively niche over here so they play at wembley every year now yeah yeah exactly so uh, i i just don't see them being enough viewers to pick up football sure. drama it might end up on netflix you never know it is a cw show so um they've also announced that discussions are already underway for an orange is the new black sequel for netflix we don't know any more about it than that they they have all they've said is they are in talks about some form of sequel no idea who it might follow probably will take some of the minor characters and follow them but other than that it's nothing is like imminent imminent but they are already planning that they may do a sequel to orange is the new black because we've got one more season of that to come next season will be its last and then they may do a sequel afterwards and uh, the cw has uh, also said that they're working on a 4400 reboot do you remember the original show i don't know whether how uh, long ago it, it was that it rings a bell definitely this was a thing about uh, a bunch of people had gone missing over the recent history um, i mean, <laughs> 4,400 people have gone missing uh, over re- recent history and they've gone missing from all over the world. Some disappearances has happened sort of fairly recently. Some are going back sort of as, as far as like the 1950s. Then on one day in 2019, all uh, 4,400 show up at their sites of the original abductions all at once, all in one day in 2019. So the the basic premise of it is pretty much the same as the original series was. The only problem with kind of rebooting this now is there's been a bunch of different shows that have taken this same premise. Uh, right. There's there's The Returned, which has done the same sort of thing, which was people coming back from the dead. There's Manifest, which is people reappearing after a year of being stuck on an aeroplane. There was another one that was, was done recently, which was people kind of appearing on a beach after to sort of come back from the future. I can't remember what that was called but that was on Amazon that ran over here. Um, So this sort of thing, which was started by the original show, has kind of had variations on it played out. So it's an interesting idea bringing the original one back, I guess, but... I, I don't know whether it's a good one or not. Yeah, um, they've sort of made a rod for their own back. Is that they've got a they've made a, an incredibly popular show, and now they've got to compete with other shows that do a similar thing, right? Yeah, I mean, the only thing, well, the one thing that it does have going for it is the people behind it are uh, Taylor Elmore and Craig Sweeney, who were the team behind Limitless. And oh. uh, Limitless was a fabulous, fabulous TV show. If you haven't seen it, it was one of my favourites, and cruelly got cancelled after one season, but it, it was. <laughs> really well done it comes from those guys so that sort of gives me some hope that it it might be kind of well put together but who knows moving on to bigger news stories dc has has cast swamp thing in swamp thing finally uh or rather it's cast two people as swamp thing because they've done this for a number of their shows actually they found two people to take on the role because one will be playing alec holland who is swamp thing before he becomes swamp thing and the other right. one will be playing the swamp thing character so um the two guys are andy bean and Derek mears andy bean's most notable role to date he be playing the Alex Holland version. He was in HBO's shortlist series Here and Now. He was on the Star series Power. Uh, he was also in the Divergent series. It Chapter 2 is the next thing he's appearing in as the adult version of Stanley. He's the main sort of lead character before he gets turned into Swamp Thing. And uh, Swamp Thing will be played by Derek Mears, who uh, has got quite a lot of experience of working under quite a lot of prosthetics and makeup. <laughs> he was in Sleepy Hollow, played Moloch, and I mean, played a whole host of, of villains, but Moloch was probably the main one who was the main villain. Uh, played the classic Predator in the Predators film. Played oh, right. Mosh Tendrils in Men in Black 
2, played Krampus right. in Grimm. Um, so, you know, and he also played Jason Voorhees in the 2009 version of Friday the 13th. So he tends to take on these sort of roles which are either under a lot of makeup or, or are very kind of physical roles. So, um, yeah, I mean, an interesting pair of guys I, I think to pick out for we already know that Crystal Reed who was in Gotham and Team Wolf she's playing Abby Arcane who is the sort of female lead on the show she sort of falls in love with Alex and then he turns him to Swamp Thing so she's sort of the uh, the main female driving force behind the show are you looking forward to this is this one you want um, to see I honestly can't say that I am. <laughs> not just like so. There's so there's regular DC stuff which I'm not looking forward to because it's all so far they've they've got a bad track record that hopefully Aquaman will do something about. But I think this is a weird direction to go. And if it works out, that's great. I, I hope it does. Um, it just I, like I've never read something comics. I vaguely know of the character. Um, yeah. And it seems like. If superhero stuff isn't working for whatever reason, let's try something a bit out of left field. And I think that's good. That's a good way to go. I don't know. I don't know how to. I'd have to. I have to have it here. For, I think. To know. But I, I. I mean, this is this is a TV series for DC Universe, and I think they've done better on the TV front than they have on the film front. That's true. Yeah. And uh, the Titan series seems to be going down well. I mean, I've I've avoided quite a lot of the stories about it because I don't want it spoiled too much before Netflix finally gets its finger out and puts <laughs> it on over here. Hint. Um, so uh, we know it's coming to Netflix. We still don't have an any idea when my guess is it uh, titans may land in december after it's finished running on dc universe it may be that it doesn't land until the new year but uh it's slightly frustrating that they've they've picked it up and it's not landed yet so um knowing nothing about this character as i do is it a hulk situation where sometimes he's alex well, Holland and sometimes he's something or do, is there a turning point where he's no, something no it, that that's the weird thing is basically in in the books he's swamp thing um right. he was alex holland but but he gets there's a there's an event which turns him into Swamp Thing, and then that's his life now. Uh, and then that's his life. So it's difficult to say whether we're going to see some situations where he somehow flips backwards and forwards, which I, I kind of hope they don't do, or whether you're going to get <laughs> whether you're going to get Swamp Thing with being providing the voice, and you know Derek Mears is just providing the body, which is what they've done for some of the other DC characters. Um, on on the uh, on those shows, so it could be that you're looking at that situation. We don't know at the moment. He could go into like a phone booth and spin around. And then he would... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, I I think it's going to be a case of you see him as as Alex Holland, and then mm. he turns into Swamp Thing, and then you only see him as Swamp Thing unless it's in some sort of flashback, which yeah. which is sort of what they've done with some of the characters on uh, some of the other shows. But also, you know, like horror horror TV shows. Do fine yeah and so that's this is probably a good way to go we'll, we'll have to wait and see it's it's due out middle of next year some point that uh june next year it's it should land on dc universe netflix may get it over here we don't know but that's where it's ended up with titans so we'll have to wait and see yeah. uh so speaking of streaming services disney have finally come up with a name for their streaming service it's going to be called <laughs> disney plus very so, uh, yes, <laughs> well, apparently it fits in with the branding on some other things which have been something or other plus. So, um, you know, okay. it, it does sort of fit in with the branding for their other stuff. They've also announced that there is going to be a Rogue One related new Star Wars series. This is on top of the other Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, which they've already announced that they're going to have. So there is going to be a Rogue One series which uh, sees Diego Luna reprise his role as Cassian Andor who was uh, one of the characters out of Rogue One. So he's going to be uh, the fronting this new series, The Adventures of uh, the Rebel Spy During the Formative Years of the Rebellion. It will explore tales filled with espionage, daring missions, and to restore hope to the galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. I rather like the sound of that. I think it's it could be uh, quite good fun, actually. Sure. I, I didn't really like Rogue One, but more Star Wars, why not? Sure. Yeah, they've also confirmed the uh, rumours that we heard a few weeks ago, which is there is definitely a Loki series coming, a live action Loki series with Tom Hiddleston taking the role of Loki again. It sounds like they're, they're sort of one shot series. 
So it's not going to be a continuing thing like Daredevil. It will be, they will do eight episodes of Loki. They might then do eight episodes of Scarlet Witch, eight episodes of Falcon, eight episodes of mm. Winter Soldier. So they, they're sort of extending. And it, it may be that they go back and do some characters twice, but they are going to be limited series, which are going to be six or eight episodes. And they are going to be an extended sort of following of one character. And Loki will be the first one that they do. That sounds good. Yeah. I like the sound of that. I think I, I mean, anything that means more Tom Hiddleston as Loki, I think he's always Absolutely. a fabulous idea. So, uh, and it's it's nice to see them using the service to bring some of the MCU characters and give them more screen time. You know, I mm. think that's quite good. Uh, I mean, I'm not as excited for a Scarlet Witch series, which is the other rumored one, but uh, Loki definitely. I think that could be great. We know that the Disney Plus service has also got a High School Musical series coming, Monsters Inc. series. There's a High Fidelity series series as well high um, fidelity like the as in movie. the, as in the, the movie movie in the book but they've switched the gender of the lead character so it's going to be zoe kravitz playing yeah. the main lead which was um john cusack in the film yeah. is it like a drama we'd have to go into that <laughs> uh d- drama uh, just a, well drama comedy sort of because that's not too suitable for kids no no i mean i would or i would i would want to enjoy it and therefore i don't want it to be suitable for kids (laughs) yeah no i i think it's well they said that nothing on it would nothing on the service would be over a pg-13 and i think you could do a pg-13 version of high fidelity i think it would hopefully be at the higher end of it but we'll have to wait and see i'm i'm hoping they've not dumbed it down to to being a sort of straight pg but we'll see. Lastly, we've got news from the Watchmen series. Damien Lintoff's Watchmen series. We'll see Legion star Jean Smart join the show as, well, we, we know she's going to be playing an FBI agent. Unconfirmed speculation is the name of the agent is going to be Agent Blake. Now, we know some things about the Watchmen series. It's based on the Watchmen graphic novel. It's not a direct adaptation. It's a what they described as a remix version, and it is kind of a sequel, but it's taking elements of the original story and remixing them in some way. What they've said is, is the comic book was very specific to the 80s and Reagan and Thatcher and Gorbachev. Yeah. Ours needs to resonate with the frequency of Trump, May, Putin, and the horse he rides around on shirtless, was the <laughs> way that they put it. So they're sort of playing around with, with the ideas from the book and reformatting them in a kind of slightly different way as a kind of sequel. Uh, they've said that they'll use the original comic book as kind of their Old Testament. This is going to be something new and different. So we might see some characters we recognise, but there's going to be a lot of new characters in it as well. The SBI agent is investigating a murder. This is uh, the person played by Jean Smart. Jean Smart was in um, Legion. Uh, She's popped up in millions of different shows over the years. Girlfriend's (laughs) Guide to Divorce, Fargo, Hawaii Five-O. She was in Garden State, I Heart Huckbees, Frasier she was on as well. And uh, she played Martha Logan are 24 as well, which is where quite a lot of people might know her from. The agent, if it is Agent Blake, then that would sign some sort of connection to Edward Blake, who play, who was the comedian. I didn't want to guess at that. I was like, someone Blake is in there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the comedian is uh, the catalyst for the initial book, who yeah. is murdered right at the beginning of the original, original novels. The, the connection would suggest that it may be a daughter, and he does have a daughter in the book. Yeah, um, but she's her last name isn't Blake, so maybe she's following in his footsteps because he was also working for the FBI as well as being a sort of hero in quotes, very much mm. so with the comedian. There's also rumours that the character that Jeremy Irons is playing, because we know Jeremy Irons is in it, the character that Jeremy Irons might be playing is Ozymandias, and Ozymandias has a connection to the uh, the death of the comedian. Yeah, and we know from shots that we've seen from onset photos of newspaper headlines and stuff Ozymandias in the new series is dead so if they're right that Jeremy Irons is playing that character it's quite possible that he's either playing it in flashback or he faked his own death 
and with the FBI agent looking at a murder, it's possible that, that they're looking at Ozymandias' murder. Yeah. And if that is the case, you would have somebody that has a connection to the comedian investigating the murder of the person that killed her. Well, if it's the daughter, then person that killed her father. Yeah, all right. So, so it's got a sort of interesting symmetry to it, if that is how they're playing it. But we don't know. I mean, that's all speculation at this point. We don't exactly know what the story is. They're keeping their cards relatively close to their chest. Yeah. I've just had a quick look, Dave. Jean Smart is uh, 67, right? Mm. If she was the, the comedian's uh, daughter, now the, the, I mean, I guess, I think he's about 50, maybe 60 at the beginning of Watchmen. So I would say that it would have to be set a fair way after, right? If it well, was yeah. his daughter. Yes, um, it, it, yeah. would, it would be. It would be. And I mean, she, you know, she is, she is older. That would lend credence to, you know, them saying that actually this is going to be more relevant to your Trumps and Putins. Yeah, I, um, and exactly. So, so maybe maybe Jeremy Irons is is flashback only, or I don't know if he. I don't know. Well, no, Jer- Jeremy me. Irons. I mean, Ozymandias was much younger in in the Watchmen book. He, so yeah, an, he an was. older, so an older version of him would sort of make sense. Yeah. You know? um, we don't know what the other characters. I mean, there's a, it's an amazing cast they put together. It's yeah. uh, Tom Misson from Sleepy Hollow, who is hilariously funny. We've interviewed him a few times. He's brilliant. Uh, Regina King, who is in the leftovers. Don Johnson is in there. Tim Blake Nelson from Where Brother Where Art Thou and uh, the new thing that's coming on Netflix. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr., Adelaide Clemens, Francis Fisher, Jacob Trent, uh, Andrew Howard. I mean, there's just an amazing cast they've lined up for it. So I am very mm. excited for this when it comes out. It sounds like they're doing some very interesting things playing around with it. And uh, this is where the sort of whole remixing thing comes in. So I, I think this this could be kind of intriguing. Uh, should come to, well, it's an HBO series, should come to Sky Atlantic next year at some point, we hope. Interesting that it isn't going to DC's thing yes i mean it well it, it's because it got picked up by hbo that is yeah, not. right um so you know that's all the news we've got for this week let's move on to the interview hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. The interview this week is with Guy Tobus, who is the showrunner on Amazon Prime's The Stinky and Dirty Show. For those of you without kids, you probably aren't aware of this series, but uh, it's an animated kid show. It's really, really good. Guy burst onto the children's television scene with uh, Mowgli, The New Adventures of the Jungle Book, a series co-created and produced with Fox Kids Network. Uh, he's a prolific writer and story editor. His experience spans many genres of kids' TV, including action and comedy from Nicktoons' Edgar and Allen. Hasbro's Transformers, Robots in Disguise, and PBS's Odd Squad. As well as being the showrunner on the Stinky and Dirty show, he's also got a new show coming up to Disney Junior next year called Tots, which is uh, another one to watch out for, which is is about the storks delivering babies, and uh, it's about a new team that come into that. So uh, we talk a little bit about Tots, but uh, a lot of this is about working on the Stinky and Dirty show. We actually know a little bit about that show because we interviewed Jake Monaco, who is the composer on it, a, a while back. So that's the only reason I've seen some episodes of it pre- or previously. But um, it, it's a great show if you've got young, young kids. The animation style is beautiful. We talk a, a little bit about that, where the idea came from. Um, it's really interesting, particularly if you're somebody that would like to get into sort of animation and um, writing shows and stuff. So uh, here's the interview with Guy. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. 
it's lovely to have you on. I know a little bit about Stinky and Dirty because I interviewed Jake Monaco. Ah, great. Uh, a few months ago. So, because I don't have kids, so I have no reason to be watching your show, as great <laughs> as I'm sure it is. So I have watched uh, some of that when I did the interview with Jake. So so I have seen it and it looks brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's a beautifully animated series. All props to Brown Bag Films, the right. animation company from Ireland. Amazing, amazing creative people I, that I have the privilege of working with. Yeah, I mean, they do a phenomenal job with it. Uh, it's, it's a really fun show. Do you want to just explain what the show is to people that haven't caught it? Sure. It's a show for kids, but my goal is if you're a grown up and you're sitting with your kids, you will love watching it too. Uh, it's a show about a garbage truck and a backhoe loader who live in a city of vehicles. It's called Go City. And they come upon simple everyday problems and stop at nothing to solve the problem, to problem solve and use resourcefulness to solve their problems. Yeah, it sort of covers the things that I think every good TV show, like kids TV show should do is one, it needs to entertain the parents as well. And, and two, it has some educational value of, of teaching the kids something. Yeah, it's exactly what what kids tv should do we do have a little bit of a higher we're, we're we're chasing a little bit more at amazon when i started to work at amazon i realized oh they're not just trying to make entertainment here they really do want to create shows that kids engage in on a higher level yeah and, and so it's really important the curriculum and and our show is actually teaching how to think. Uh, that's the way I put it anyway. Uh, yeah. how, how to actually think about what you're doing, not facts and figures, but how to actually do the process of thinking. Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's it's the problem solving stuff. You know, I, I think the show does brilliantly. Them sort of finding, you know, coming across whatever the problem is and and thinking a way around it. I, I And uh, that's such an important thing for a, for a young child to pick up. Exactly. I mean... But it is important to me. I, I don't know. Uh, you probably watched the show as an adult and had no kids sitting next to you. But yeah. uh, I came into this world after having been a stay at home dad for five years. Right. So I sat next to my kids and I watched a lot of children's television and I watched them watching children's television. And I got so much out of that. I learned so much about how that feels. And I realized that when I engage in a show as an adult and my son is sitting next to me and he engages at the same time, yeah. it's a way better experience for him too, because mm. he sees me laughing and he sees me connecting with the material. And all of a sudden it's a lot more interesting. So yeah. anytime I write, I write with the parent sitting next to that child in, in mind. I write with the idea that some mom or dad is sitting next to that kid and they have to be engaged in this show too. So hopefully we're accomplishing that goal. Yeah, I think so. From the, from the bits I've seen, I definitely would say so. <laughs> you talk about getting into the industry uh, or getting into this particular stuff after being a stay-at-home dad. How did you get into the industry in the first place? Well, before I was a stay-at-home dad, I was an aspiring writer and I came out to write for TV. I came out to Los Angeles and I got a gig writing on a sitcom starring George Foreman. Right. I, it was titled George yeah. <laughs> and I got the job and I was excited and I thought I made it. I'm like, I made it in Hollywood. And, uh, the show got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> As happens, so, yes. <laughs> so here I am in, in Los Angeles. And, um, uh, you know, the way things worked out, a friend of mine was starting a, a production company and he asked me to come up with a pitch for a show they could shoot in Malaysia. Right. They wanted to use the jungles of Malaysia. And so we came up with this idea for a modern day retelling of the Jungle Book, live action. Right. But a yeah. kid's kids show, uh, modern day, a little girl goes to India and we pitched it to the Fox network and we sold it. And that's how I ended up in kids TV. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's been that way ever since pretty much. <laughs> I, somehow that's where I ended up. But then the funny thing is once I was a stay at home dad, I was doing projects on the side. It just sort of naturally fell into line. My brain was already thinking in that direction of kids TV and it really educated me in a better way about what kids TV could be, what it should be. Yeah, totally. 
Absolutely. I mean, you've worked on, as well as The Jungle Book, there's Pink Panther you wrote a couple of episodes of. That's right. Uh, Odd Squad as well was another one. That's right. Yep. Um, Transformers, of course, as well. You did you did some work yes. as well. <laughs> I've written a bunch of vehicle-oriented shows. Transformers, Stinky and Dirty, Chuck the Truck. Yeah. Seems to be my specialty. <laughs> yes, and anthropomorphized uh, vehicles. I, there's, I, I noticed I was scrolling through your Twitter feed earlier and somebody had posted a sort of thing, something about it basically being a sort of post-apocalyptic world where the all the humans had died off and the cars had taken <laughs> over. <laughs> I'm so amused by that. I love that because it, it's actually what we're thinking. You know, what is the logic of this world? <laughs> why, yeah. why are these vehicles driving around? But of course, kids never think of that kind of thing. No, well, that that's always been the suggestion for the uh, the Cars movies, the Disney Cars movies, Disney Pixar films, of the fact that it was a sort of post-apocalyptic world where the cars were all taken over after the humans all died. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. so yeah, I, I rather like that that idea of of these uh, the yeah the vehicles have kind of taken over the world i think he's great i think any kid who sees a vehicle or watches vehicles driving around the street i don't think it would surprise them at all that the vehicle has feelings and thoughts and can talk and yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem crazy at all they don't have to make up the logic of any of those things but we do when we're writing the show we're, we're always thinking of that sort of thing <laughs> So when it comes to the writing, well, where did the idea of Stinky and Dirty come up from originally? Where did you come up with that idea? Jim and Kate McMullen wrote a series of picture books and they're delightful. They're adorable. They each have a name like this. I stink. It's about a garbage truck. Right. I'm dirty. It's about the backhoe loader. I'm brave is about a fire engine. Right. Um, and, and the books are really, really charmingly simple. They're just, I stink, I pick up garbage, I do all this stuff. And they were pretty popular. Yeah. And Amazon was looking for a way to, to turn it into a children's series. And it just occurred to me that the funniest two characters were the stinky one and the dirty one. Yeah. And I, I kind of had a feeling that kids would latch on to those two. I said, well, what if they're best friends and they live in a world, you know, in this whole world where all these other vehicles also live and that's sort of what the genesis of the show was and the, i think the title of the stinky and dirty show was yeah. part of what helped sell it <laughs> yeah i can i get that entirely was it important to try and keep that sort of um because i mean it's a 3d show but the 3d modeling is is very hand-drawn in the look of it was it important to keep that sort of hand-drawn look when it transferred onto screen really really important um because the books are so well loved and so well known the art style was sort of crucial to get and we weren't sure if we could do it in 3d but when we went out to the various animation companies it was brown bag who came back with the look and feel that really made it work. Yeah. And you can see it. It's sort of hand-drawn lines on these 3D figures. You know, 3D can tend to be really sharp lines and really sharp images. Mm. This almost lives looks worn in and, and or lived in or, you know, they obviously they had to be dirty. Yeah. You had to be able to see the dirt on these things. It's not clean. It's the opposite of clean. And that's really what gives character to uh, to the art. Uh, and they and they were able to take a 2D picture book and make it into a 3D animated show and still maintain that beautiful design and charm. I, I love the look of it. I think it it's such a beautiful looking show, you know. And, and considering, like you say, it's about like a you know stinky and dirty, and they're they're these <laughs> these scruffy little machines, but they just look the way that they're drawn. I think is absolutely stunning, and it keeps that that sort of hand drawn look, which I I really really like. So what's your pro? process in terms of coming up with new stories for them? The show happens to be, I mean, like I said before, Amazon was really interested in, in a little bit it, not just entertainment, you know, this yeah. show should be about something and it's something that's going to connect with kids. So coming up with stories is usually about brainstorming at first and, and brainstorming with the executives at Amazon and the educational consultant at Amazon and making sure we're coming up with a, a concept that kids are going to engage with, specifically for this age group, which is very young. Mm. It's kind of hard to explain, I'm sure, to your listeners, too, how kids interface with with stories, yeah. which is 
very different from how adults do. And that's the most challenging part of the show, which is why we do that sort of brainstorm at the beginning. You know, are they going to latch on to this? And every episode of the Stinky and Dirty show is a bit of a how-to. Yeah. Um, and they're really simple how-tos, like how to make mud <laughs> or how to get to the gas station when we have no gas, you know, how to go yeah. essentially. So it's all about a how-to and resourceful way of being able to do that. And the challenge as writers is how do we make that fun and silly and goofy and just a, a, a little bit of a romp. Um, yeah. So yeah, we sit there, we come up with what the how-to is, and then we break out the story, what that story breaks into. And there's a couple of repeating elements in every show that kids know what to expect, but it's not a hard format. Right. So there'll always be a, a think draw element. So they'll, they'll try and fail and try and fail. And then they'll stop and think. And we have a little 2d animated section where stinky who's excellent at drawing, by the way, <laughs> actually starts to draw in a little bit of dirt on the ground. And we move into that little bit of dirt and it comes to life. We get to do a little 2d animation there, which, you know, I'm talking shop a little bit, but 2d animation is a very different beast yes. than 3d animation. Yes. Well, that's where our, our, we get to play a little and do sort of the old Warner brothers, cartoony sound effects kind of stuff. <laughs> they think through their problem and they go through the thinking about it and animating how that might work. And then they come up with a pro with how that's answered and they move forward. Yeah. And another, Another element that is in every show because I was a kid and I've seen my kids watch is an action sequence. Right. Got to be some action. We've been yeah. spending this whole episode thinking about stuff, moving deliberately. Let's just, you know, break it all out. And we call that the uh, resourcefulness on the fly sequence. So there's <laughs> music, action, movement. I mean, they're cars after all. So yeah, yeah, get moving. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's the most fun thing about doing this as a job? The most fun thing is working with all the other creative people who have somehow bought into this concept <laughs> that I yeah. thought was good enough to bring to life. I mean, really, that's what it is. I can't draw. I can't do all the voices. I can't animate. But these incredibly talented people have all sort of come on board and decided, I mean, it's a job, of course, but decided that they also love these characters mm. and have really put their heart and soul into it. It doesn't feel like a job for any, every single person I've worked with on the show has told me how much they actually love these characters love the show. And that's the gift. For me, that's the gift that we all love it and we all work together to make it even better. Yeah. And you mentioned voices there. You've got some great people that, that come in and do the voices for them. Uh, and the, the two that play Stinky and Dirty are, are both fairly young actors themselves. Yes. Young, but incredibly talented. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we got we got very lucky. Um, they're amazing at what they do, and they nail it every time. And they're also just great characters on their own. So yeah. they they just they just bring this vitality to the characters. They do such a, a good job with it. And uh, you've got a few sort of people like uh, Jane Lynch is in there from uh, she was in Glee, wasn't she? Jane Lynch. Yeah. So yeah. you've got her in there, and uh, Andy Richter is I noticed is in there plays the bra brave who I. I'm assuming is the fire engine. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, we're we're lucky because I think when a lot of celebrity it's it's a great job to do a voice role. Yeah. Because you don't have to go through wardrobe. <laughs> you don't have to read the script way in advance. It's, you know, an hour or two to come into the voice studio and uh, do your part and you're done. And then if you happen to have kids, a lot of these actors have kids. If you happen to have kids or grandkids, it's something that you can show them that you do. Yeah. It's not the adult world. So we've been lucky. We've been able to get some of these celebrities to do voices on our shows and they've been fantastic and we've gotten them to come back and do recurring over and over. Yeah, I mean, you've got, uh, yeah, Joan Cusack, I noticed in there, uh, Whoopi Goldberg has done voices in there as well. The great Billy West, who, uh, I mean, he's, he's a voiceover actor. Well, he's 
pretty much, yeah. but he's a voiceover acting legend. He's the voice yeah, of Fry in Futurama. Yeah. So Billy West, for in particular, was huge for me. I don't know yeah. uh, over there on the other side of the Atlantic if you ever heard of, of the Howard Stern show, but it's a radio uh, show. Yes, that we was... were aware of it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, he was a regular on the Howard Stern show when I grew up. So when I realized we could get him to work, you know, as a voice actor on our show, I was, yeah. you know, one of my first choices. I couldn't wait to work with him. And that was a little bit of a dream come true. I adore Billy West. He's, he's just fabulous. So, you know, I think we may have actually interviewed him at some point. He may have come over for a comic con at one, one stage. I th- yeah. I mean, in, in like a press room sort of thing, but I'm, I'm sure he did a press room thing a few years uh, ago. I mean, if not, he's great because he'll do all his voices. He'll, you know, just being in a room with him, he loves to perform. He loves to do the Ren and Stimpy stuff and he loves to do all the voices he did on the Howard Stern show. He's so much fun to work with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say has been the most interesting experience you've had while working I, either on, on this show or, or one of the other shows? Most interesting? Well, I can tell you the biggest thrill I've had. Go on. Meeting Mark Hamill. <laughs> uh, we had we had a space vehicle. You know, Go City is on the Stinky and Dirty show. Is It's all vehicle show. Um, and then we thought it might be interesting to have a space vehicle. So uh, it seemed like a no-brainer who would play the space vehicle would be Luke Skywalker himself. Yeah. So uh, it was a thrill to actually have him on the sh- on the show. And I sort of had this unwritten rule that I don't take photographs with the with the voice talent. <laughs> I want to be really professional, but yeah. I couldn't resist. I, I had to uh, for this one time break that rule. And I got I have I did definitely got a picture of myself and Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's entirely understandable. We have the same sort of rule when we're doing interviews at, at shows and things of not taking photos with people and then somebody like Mark Hamill or, you know, somebody somebody of that level walks in, you like stuff the rules, we're having a picture. <laughs> and he was delightful. He he did not mind at all, I have to say. He was just so great about it. Yeah. And of course, experienced voice actor in his own right as well as being Luke Skywalker. Exactly. So you know. Um, yeah, the, the voice of the Joker. So, the Joker, yeah. sure. Um, what's next for you? You doing more of uh, Stinky and Dirty? What else are, have you got coming up? Fingers crossed for Stinky and Dirty. In the meantime, I'm working on a great new show for Disney Junior. It's called Tots. Right. And uh, this is uh, the same age group, but the concept of the show is it's the world of storks. You know, <laughs> delivering delivering babies. That's great. But yeah, but it's the first non-stork team. A penguin and a flamingo decide they want to join Tots. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's coming in March, and it's what I'm. What's keeping me busy in between the hiatus between season two and season three of the Stinky and Dirty Show. I hope crossing fingers for season three of the Stinky and Dirty Show. Yeah, that sounds like a great concept for uh, for an animated series. I really like that. <laughs> So I'll give you the usual final two questions that we uh, we oh, okay. give everybody on the show. The first one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? It's not going to be kids TV shows. Of course, yes. <laughs> um, I am watching Better Call Saul. Ah, uh, yes. And Ozark. Ah, yes. Great amazing. series. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's a great show. And Ozark's a brilliant show as well. So the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, what show would it be? And it can't be one that you're already working on. (laughs) Uh, Okay, it's a weird one. It's uh, your show of shows. It's all the greatest comedy writers in the world were in the writer's room of your show of shows. Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, just this cornucopia of great writers and it's like the dream world where i would have loved to have sat at that table wow that's, <laughs> that's an interesting one we've never had that before that's a really good pick oh well, thank you i like that yes awesome well it's been lovely to to have you on and have a chat with you as i say if you've got young kids stinky and dirty is a is a brilliant brilliant show i've sat and watched a few episodes of it and uh even as an adult without children, it, it was entertaining. So, you know, worth going to check out. Watch with your kids. Yes, <laughs> but watch with your kids if you've got kids, definitely. Well, have a wonderful day. Yes, and I um, hope to speak to you again. Yeah, and talk to you again maybe next time uh, Stinky Dirty's back on. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye. 
So that was the interview with Guy Tovers, the showrunner for Amazon Prime Stinky and Dirty Show. You can go and find Stinky and Dirty on Amazon Prime. It's well worth going to if you've got little children. They'll absolutely love it. It's really well worth watching. Now we'll move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. We kick off with Origin, which is this new space sci-fi starring Tom Felton and uh, Natasha Tina. I think they're both from the Harry Potter world. Well, Tom Felton certainly is, but I think she might be as well. Uh, it's coming to YouTube Premium on the 14th of November. It uh, looks like it could be quite good. It's about a bunch of people that uh, sort of end up on stranded on a spaceship, basically. Looks like it could be quite interesting, that yeah, one. Yeah, I remember, was it the Comic-Con trailer for that? Looks yeah, very we, good. yeah, we had the Comic-Con trailer for that. That. They, looks... they are both from Harry Potter, yes. Yes, okay. There you go. YouTube Premium, 14th of November for that. If you want to watch the first episode, usually what they do with YouTube Premium is they put the first episode out for free to tempt you. And then you either sign up for YouTube Premium and you can buy the rest of the series. That seems to be how they're running it. So uh, you should be able to go and find the first episode from the 14th of November. That's Origin. And then decide whether you want the rest of it or not. Narcos, the new season, well, season four, but it's actually called Narcos Mexico. That's going to be coming on the 16th of November, which moves all the action from the Colombian cartels to the Mexico cartels. So it's a whole new cast, same bunch of drugs and uh, <laughs> and uh, following sort of all the action there. But I think that looks like it could be really good. 16th of November for Narcos. You watched the first few seasons of Narcos? No, no. Haven't you? Oh, that's no. that's one you need to catch up on. That's that recommended. Highly recommended. Yes, first <laughs> few seasons of Narcos is brilliant. Season four of that is called Narcos Mexico. Also coming, we've got to Netflix, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Now, this was going to be a series and it's now a film split into sort of parts, but it is one film with sort of different stories kind of mashed together. So it's like a condensed series, basically. But uh, it's from Joel and Ethan Cohen, so it's the Cohen brothers. Uh, Tales from the American Frontier. This looks like it could be good. You know what you're sort of going to get with that sort of thing from the Cohen yeah. brothers, so I... I they're always good. So 16th of November for that. I'm going to watch that. The Last Kingdom, season three of that, comes to Netflix on the 19th of November. It is not on the BBC. It's on Netflix, basically because the BBC were co-producing it with BBC America and BBC Two. BBC America dropped out. BBC Two picked it up with Netflix. Then BBC Two dropped out. So Netflix <laughs> took it by itself. So Netflix is the sole owner of that show now. So although the first two seasons were on the BBC, the third season is only on Netflix unfortunately for uh, people that don't have Netflix but it is there uh, Last Kingdom season 3 19th of November and uh, then we have My Brilliant Friend which is a mini-series it's HBO's first foreign language mini-series it's based on uh, Eleanor Ferrante's best-selling book 19th of November at 9pm for that on Sky Atlantic go and check that out and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention uh, just a piece of advice always wear your bandana <laughs> yes yes particularly when you're robbing banks yeah. it won't do anything but you should wear anyway yes definitely always wear a bandana <laughs> cool. round, round your face not round your head <laughs> then you look like a hipster that's just not right um, so if you want to find out more information from us you can go to the website throughout the week at geektown.co.uk to see all the latest edit info if you want to get your questions to us you can get in touch on email at podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown on instagram at geektown uk and remember you can find us on spotify now if you go and search for Geek Town Radio. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.